you know, because I boxered you earlier, but I just feel so tired today. And it's like the mental tired where mm -hmm. it's not, it, you're physically tired, but it's because of all the stuff on your brain and because all the things you have to do. And I just found yes. it funny because the podcast we released this week was about getting things done <laughs> and about like not allowing productivity to be replaced with or not to, not replacing um, presence. Uh, presence with pro productivity and yes. those kind of things. And it's just kind of funny that this is how I'm feeling. And this is the worst I felt in a while as far Aww. as like just feeling overwhelmed, you know. Yes, yeah. So it's just ironic. Yeah. Not funny, haha, but ironic, funny. <laughs> it is a little ironic. There's – yeah. I found it was funny that that um, podcast episode released this week too because – you just messaged me about all the things that you were doing on, I think it was Sunday and Monday. And it was like yeah, a lot, Monday. like enough of thing, enough of things, <laughs> enough things that like I sent you a Wonder Woman gift because it was a lot. So I get why you're tired. I like the way you describe it today. You're feeling like a bag of trash, but <laughs> you're just a wonderful bag of trash. So it's all good. <laughs> Well, I don't know. I think today's episode – so this is our first guest, which I'm pretty excited yes, about. Yes, be great. Um, but I think it's very timely after the last episode because we talked kind of about being productive and getting things done and, mm -hmm. you know, where your worth comes from, all yeah. of that. And mm -hmm. today we're having Diane, who's a minimalist mom expert. Yes. And yeah which I don't consider myself a minimalist at all, mm -hmm. but I don't like stuff. And I would like – I like the idea of becoming a minimalist right. from yeah. that aspect. So yes. I think this is a perfect follow-up on the mm -hmm. more practicality of how to yeah. apply, you know um, – Some of those things we talked about. Yeah, some of the things we talked about. And then um, maybe just getting it down to the root of your values where you can, you know – eliminate some things in order to hone in on the most important. So yeah, that'll be great. Um, I think it's really funny also that you had been really concerned with us making sure we did a video call for our first guest. <laughs> so oh, you're going to call me out. I'm going to call you out just a little bit. <laughs> I can't even, like you said so many times, like when we have guests on, we should really do videos so that we can like read each other's facial responses and make sure we're going to respond appropriately. Rita. Like not interrupt. Yeah. Yes. Can you tell me why I'm staring at myself and I don't see you? <laughs> <laughs> because I, uh, I logged on. And I said, oh, I need to turn video on. And I was, it says, cannot detect camera. And I'm like, oh, oh my gosh. that's because I forgot to order a camera for my computer. Oh, I love oh. it. See, this is why I make lists, Rita. This is why I make yeah. lists. Well, <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. I mean, I honestly forgot I didn't have one. I know. It's okay. easy to forget. Computers should all have them nowadays. Yeah. You just so got Cecily it. Yeah, Cecily knows the backstory to this, but I'll fill you in on this, mm -hmm. listeners. Um, <laughs> so, Levi, I had needed a new computer because my laptop I'd had for years had like that circle of death. It just kept yeah, like yeah. every was taking forever to load. And so this winter I was looking and I was like, Levi, hey, you're going to Walmart. Can you just check and see if there's any computers? And he just randomly came home with one. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, perfect. This works. I'm not picky. I just uh -huh. need something that physically works. Yeah. Well, it didn't have speakers. It didn't have a camera. Like I just didn't realize computers didn't come with that stuff these days. That's so crazy. I've just been slowly adding the little accessories that I need. Mm -hmm. 
Well, we're making progress. We're making progress. Every every time we do this, our podcast gets a little smoother. So soon you'll have video and that'll be great. Anyway, are you ready to meet Diane? Yep, let's get rolling. All right. Welcome to the Boom Clap Podcast. Today we have our very first guest, super excited. Diane Bowden is with us. She is the voice behind the top-rated podcast, Minimalist Moms, where she shares her ideas, interviews others about living a life in the pursuit of less. Her goal is really simple, think more and do with less. She recently even wrote a book on the topic. Diane herself is a minimalist mom. She lives in Columbus, Ohio with her husband and three children. So welcome, Diane. We're excited to have you. I'm so excited to be here. I was telling you the other day, I binged your entire show in one afternoon. So I can't wait, <laughs> I can't wait to chat with you. I love what you guys are doing. Yeah, that's a really high compliment. We really appreciate that. I mean, just oh, yeah. anybody that can binge a podcast, it, it must be all right, right? <laughs> so um, anyway... So, Diane, let's just jump right in. Um, I think that when you hear the word minimalism, there's probably a lot of different ideas about what that actually means. Mm-hmm. So can you just describe what minimalism is per your definition and then kind of take us into what started you on your personal journey? Absolutely. So I usually share that minimalism is all about intentionality, but I was actually writing about it earlier today in my stories. And I'm just going to read what I wrote there because... I liked what I had to say. So what I said was minimalism is not about following someone else's rules or way of living as a minimalist. It's about figuring out what is important to you and getting rid of everything that's distracting you from the important stuff. So I think so often we have this idea of minimalism as bare walls, one chair. It just, everything is very sparse and and minimal, which is minimal is the goal. But I think as moms, it's going to look much differently because I have three children. So I'm going to have more than one chair. I'm going to have lots of things in my home. But the intentionality comes in to where I'm prioritizing what's important to our family. And that's going to look different for me. That's going to look different for you, for you. Like it's, I like that about minimalism. And I don't think it has to be so rigid. It is going to look so different for everyone. And I think that it's not necessarily like aiming for a number, but aiming to get rid of what's superfluous in your life. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Cecily and I talk about values all the time. And so I think that that's really kind of what you're getting at is like mm-hmm. your values are going to be different than someone else's and minimalism is going to look differently for you based on what those are. Yeah, absolutely. And that somewhat leads into my pursuit of minimalism. My husband and I, and I will paraphrase the story because I forget <laughs> the exact words that he used, but we were in my parents' basement searching for something And he turned and looked at me and he said, look at all these things that are now in boxes that were once your parents' hard-earned work hours. And Mm. it, it, there was a light bulb moment, sure. We didn't have any conversation after that, but it really just got me thinking about, hey, when I go to work every day, 
what am I spending my money on? That's time spent away from my husband or the things that I want to do. Now it's time spent away from my family. So I better be pretty Mm. intentional about the way I'm spending that money. And if I'm going to spend it at all, at least on certain things that I don't necessarily want to be in boxes. So this just kind of got the ball rolling in my mind. And I wouldn't have necessarily said it was minimalism at that point. I more so started to become really frugal and just overanalyzing, I guess, everything that I was spending. But we really, I guess when we started talking more about, hey, I see that we're saving a little bit over here where we used to spend all the time frivolously. It was more so, yeah, we want to travel. We want to spend more money on date nights as opposed to things for our home that we don't really need that clutter our walls. So it happened very organically. And then I guess shift to, that was what, I'm 33. So uh, 10 years ago, I guess. Now I know that what we were doing was minimalism, but I just wouldn't have categorized it at that point. So, yeah. That's really interesting. I like the way that you kind of connect, you know, like your work and your career with the finances and your family and your values and how often we kind of look at those things as separate. But the way you described it, it really shows how they're intertwined, which is the way we should all be thinking about that. And I feel like um, a lot of people are drawn toward the idea of minimalism, like you said, without even realizing that it's minimalism, but it's Mm -hmm. like this drive inside of us to be connected to the things that matter. And I like that you don't um, approach it like it's a set of rules. Um, Like actually Rita had written, you know, minimalism, it's not living with five spoons instead of 45. So it's not just having a small wardrobe. We actually, Rita and I both feel like it can be, um, minimalism can take into account like calendar clutter and mental clutter as well as the physical stuff and just all around simplifying which leads to a more peaceful home and more time for what you value so do you feel like that's true and have you seen minimalism help you stay rooted in your own values yes my short answer is yes and Mm -hmm. I think that when you're spending so much of your time trying to say yes to every opportunity to put on the calendar. Mm -hmm. You really are. I, I have a hard time believing that you feel a hundred percent for everything that you're saying yes to. Of course, there's going to be the doctor's appointments or the child's school performance that you do have to go to regardless of whether or not you want to. But I really try to mean yes when I say yes to things. And I don't feel uncomfortable saying no to things because, Mm -hmm. I mean, that's boundaries. That's adulthood. We have to set up boundaries. I mean, we have fences around our backyards. Like we have, we have various boundaries in society. Um, So I, I, I think why not put them on our lifestyles? I think it's important. So I guess the evidence is just that I... I feel really joyful. I know that's kind of silly, but I feel like Mm -hmm. I do feel content saying that. I mean, things go wrong, obviously, but I would say that we've really crafted a lifestyle to where we have such an, we put such a significant emphasis on our family relationships, our friendships, our relationships with our kids, getting in nature. And it's not so much the whole consumerism mentality, I guess, to where... Mm -hmm we we're comparing ourselves with others and what they're doing. I don't know if that makes sense. I don't know if that answers your question. Totally. Yeah. No, I love that. Yeah, it does. And I think just following you on social media, you can see that you have really good friendships and that you do, you know, put people forward in your life. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's very evident. So, um, okay. Kind of piggybacking off that last question, Mm -hmm. I guess, 
in the things I've been doing this year, I've been hearing a lot from people that um, as I address things that they are seeing things happening in the world, but it's hard for them to uh, kind of dive in on their own or they feel like they're just watching the evening news and they're like, well, how do you have time to research this stuff? How do you have time to like look into it? Because I just don't have time for that. Mm -hmm. And so I don't know if this applies at all. And you can, you can say no if it doesn't, but um, I just feel like a minimalist lifestyle maybe offer more overall time freedom to dive into those things. Like maybe feeling that you can be more mentally free to make time for the things that matter aside from your immediate world. Yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll give some tough love. I think that you prioritize what's important to you. And so Mm -hmm. I think we all do have the same 24 hours in a day. And I would say Mm -hmm. that the non-negotiables may look different for everyone. Maybe your work schedule is a lot more um, set than mine, but I would just be willing to challenge people that are listening to this. If they were to actually sit down and write everything that they do in one day and see where they could fit in time. It doesn't take a lot of time. I think that even subscribing to, um, I think there was one on Instagram called the pour over and it was just like straight news, um, that you were supposed to drink while you were drink or read while you were drinking your coffee and Hmm. little things like that, that I think are beneficial to get insight. And this is going to be somewhat of a tangent and has really nothing to do with minimalism, but I've been thinking (laughs) a lot about it recently. And I'm thinking about how we consume media. And Mm -hmm. so often it is something, it's a narrative that's speaking to us in our ear, whether it's a podcast, the radio, the, the news on TV. And I used to, I remember I used to see my dad sitting down with the paper almost every day. So Regardless of or not, if there was a narrative in that newspaper article, he could sit there and actually digest it. And I think there's something to be said for reading the material as Mm -hmm. opposed to hearing a narrative spoken to you. You don't think critically enough about it. And so I don't know. Sorry, I'm totally going off. I just really wanted to say this to people. No, it's really good. I'm just we've set we've we've stepped away from the way that we consume news media and it's I think it's really detrimental. But going back to your main question, I think that we do prioritize what's important. So if you want to be more connected, which I especially think is important as moms, that we have little ones that we're trying to raise up and we should be Mm -hmm. involved, whether or not Mm -hmm. that's um, actually getting involved in the PTO or just sending emails or whatever you need to do. I think that, sorry, I'm totally tangenting right now. I'm very (laughs) It's great. I just think it's really important to stay connected. And to me, I would just be willing to challenge the idea that you don't have time because mm-hmm. there's always little snippets of time that you can you can plug it in there, especially because most of us are on our phones a lot these days. So that's my Yes. <laughs> Sorry. Yep. No, I love the tangent because it's something – yes. Yes, yes, yes. I don't know. Cecily and I were just talking before this started about how busy I have felt this week and how much stuff that I have to do. Mm-hmm. And – I'm still finding time to keep myself informed and to do the things that I feel are important to better the future for my children. At least I feel like I am. So there's always time when you feel like it's important enough. So yeah. And I really like also what you were saying. Whoops. I just about knocked something over. I really also like what you were saying about the way 
it has changed how we consume news media. Mm-hmm. Like I also often think of that. My parents always used to get the newspaper to the door and they would read it every morning. And it was it was read in such a non-distracted way because, mm-hmm. I mean, the way we consume it nowadays is on our phones or our devices where there may be notifications popping up or we may be just reading sound bites that are extremely biased rather than actually digging into the actual content and forming an, a, a well-rounded opinion. So mm-hmm. I think that's a really good point, like to make the time, mm-hmm. you know, don't just make time and then scroll the news, like make time and actually understand what's happening in the world. Like there's a big difference between that. Yeah. Yeah. Because how many people just read the headline right. anymore? Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. They don't necessarily get the actual story. And I think too, and this is, I don't have time to go into this and this is not what we're here to talk about, but I think that <laughs> But the way that we're teaching children and teaching college students to learn, it's I don't feel like the critical thinking is there as much. It really is like digest this narrative. Yeah. This is the way things mm-hmm. are. Don't question it. And I think that mm-hmm. that is a big mistake because it makes us all the same. And it really does take that mm-hmm. critical thinking element totally. out. But what I was going to say is I've been really trying to even challenge myself. There were some things that I would say I was believing last year that – turned out to not be so true. And I felt like so passionate about it at one point. And I never really sat there and allowed myself to say like, wait, pull your, pull your lens back. Everything, or at least the majority of things you're reading have some type of bias slash propaganda to them, Mm -hmm. even people that you Mm -hmm. respect. And so question it, seek out information that's contradictory to it too. So you can really come up with your own ideas about it. And Mm -hmm. it's not just so-and-so's idea. It, I, I don't know. I'm really passionate about that too, because I, I mm-hmm. have a lot of people in my life that are just so quick to believe that, that it's the end of the world or it's really, mm-hmm. really great. And I'm like, well, it's probably a little bit of both. And mm-hmm. I don't know. So again, we are totally veering from the main topic, but this yeah. is important to say. No, it's really good. Well, this is important. And I mean, it is, it is the main topic of the day, right? Yeah. <laughs> Regardless. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. All right. So The other day when I sat down and was thinking about what I wanted to ask you, it was perfect timing because you had posted on Instagram, and I'm just going to read the quote of what you posted. Uh, You posted, our consumer culture erects shrines to stuff and encourages us to measure our worth by what we can buy. So this flagged me to think of something Levi and I have talked about tons this year. Like, it's just like, we'll be on a random conversation, then we'll get on this tangent about this topic. But just basically the fact that it seems that so much of society is, I don't know, I'll say sold their souls in quotes, um, so to speak, to a lifestyle. And by doing so, they're just not free to live within their values. So as an example, think consumerism, like leading to people living paycheck to paycheck or completely outside of their means Mm -hmm. so that when their job is no longer suited to their values or something comes up where they're like, whoa, I don't want to do that. This isn't within my value system. They can't stand to lose their job because they've been living paycheck to paycheck. And not necessarily, I'm not saying that's why everybody is in that boat, but I think Mm -hmm. a lot of people, for example, um, buy toys, like big toys, Mm -hmm. you know, they're buying all these things to keep up with the Joneses, you know, the consumerism culture. And then they can't, um, they, they're basically strapped to something that maybe isn't within their value system anymore. And so they don't have a choice. It's basically automatically giving up on their values. And 
I know this can be a hard conversation because some people might feel offended by it, but do you think minimalism offers that financial freedom to be more available to live within your values when something isn't suiting it? Yeah, I definitely do. And again, I know that a lot of what we're saying about minimalism specifically can be a generalization. I know that there are certain circumstances for some people that it, whether you're a single family or single parent household, whatever your story may be, like I absolutely do have understanding and grace in those situations. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that we are talking about a lot of us right now, this is what we're speaking to. And I would say that number one, I do something really morbid, but I really like to think about the idea that you cannot take things with you when you die. I think about, I've been to estate sales and it honestly makes me really sad because I'm like, Oh, you had all of this wonderful stuff. And I have, I have stuff. I am not living in some sparse house, but (laughs) it is really sad. And it's like, wow, we can't take this stuff. So, okay. That's one, that's one thought that I have to kind of get perspective and rationality when I'm purchasing things. But also I would say, and this didn't come easy at first, but when I started pulling away from going to the mall all the time, because I was someone that wanted to shop every weekend, it was my hobby. (laughs) It was something that I felt like I needed to have a new outfit every time I went to church or went out with friends, I would want to have something new. But the thing about that was that I was never satisfied. It was like, okay, I need something else. I need something else. And it like getting that perspective again, pulling the lens back and getting the rational idea that you never have felt satisfied when you have continued to consume. I think that has really helped me, but also marketers think of how much money they make. I was a marketing major at one point. I ended up shifting ways to teaching, but I was a marketing major at one point and the whole, their whole job is how to entice you to make you feel like what you need, what they have. They want to tell you what they have, regardless of if it's a good idea. And Target, for example, Target's the easy one because us moms, we need to run out and grab things typically. But the thing that I think of every time I step foot in there is I, one, I don't even step foot into the clothing or the housewares really anymore because it is too enticing. And I think why tempt yourself in that way? But also that changes every time I go to Target. There are new things in there each time that I go to Target. I'm, I, I'd say I go once a week, every two weeks. And it's like, I can't keep up with that. I can't keep up with mm-hmm. once or twice every two weeks. So I'm just not going mm-hmm. to keep up. And this is kind of silly, but I also think it's worth mentioning. I think that you talked about how I have, I put a lot of emphasis on my relationships. And I would say that none of those people are my friend because of the things that I own or what I wear or what I look like. And when I really yeah. mm-hmm. sat down and thought about that, I was like, oh, because I don't do, I don't like my friends because of what they have or what they can offer me in that way. I like them because Mm -hmm. of them. And so Mm -hmm. I think there's so many different combinations of thoughts that you can have. And again, it really does come down to being honest with yourself, having that clear head and really pulling back on society and what we're told because yeah, you're just going to be discontent if you, if you walk down that path. So yeah. 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 That's awesome. I I, oh, sorry. I just got to comment Go, on the Target ahead, thing for a second. Yeah. I, as you were talking, I was like, hmm, I wonder if Target named their company Target because they are so good at targeting their ideal customer. And it's probably Ooh. not, mm-hmm. but it just kind of was like, oh, that's maybe that's not a coincidence. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. That's a good thought. You don't have Target there, do you, Cecily? No. We did for a little while, but it totally failed the rollout in Canada. So it's it's gone. 
I thought that I heard you Canadians that. are too smart for the dollar. I, <laughs> I have no idea what happened. I, I there were articles about it. I didn't care enough to read them, but it was like it launched in Canada, and like a year later, it completely failed. So it's gone. Yeah. Yeah. And I just want to be clear, like in that question, I'm not saying, like like you said, Diane, I'm not saying there aren't people that struggle, and you know, but I just I look around and I just feel like people have so much and they think they're like, well, I can't do that because Mm -hmm. I don't make enough money. And often it's a spending problem, not a money problem. So Mm -hmm. anyway, or an income, not an income problem, a spending problem. Sorry. It's like making sure that's clear there. And that's okay too. Like, I think a lot of it is trial and error and seeing what works as you're prioritizing and learning what you really want to incorporate into your life. I think For example, say you do have a shopping habit and you do have a closet, you're hearing this and you do have that closet full of Target clothes. You've already made that decision. So don't feel guilty about it. You, you're constantly learning and you're constantly, constantly growing. So I think as humans, like you're not the same as you were a year ago and you're not going to be the same next year as you are now. So like, don't, don't dwell on it and don't shame yourself. Like just make a better choice moving forward or make a different choice moving forward. And I think that actually helps me too, from staying in some guilt ridden shame like spiral because I've made poor financial decisions before and I still do. So yeah. yeah. Yep. That's a really good point. i I feel like um, a good saying that I often use is like, you don't know what you don't know, right? But then once you know, you can do better. And that applies to so many things in life, like health, for example, right? Like we all have a history of making probably poor health choices. And then one day you realize what you've been doing and you can shift. Same goes financially. So that's really Mm -hmm. great. So let's talk a little bit now about how we feel internally. Like I know for myself that when my home is in chaos, I also feel inside totally chaotic. So I find that to be an interesting connection. And I'm wondering if you have found the same. Um, And if so, what are some things that you do to make sure that um, you're contributing to a healthy internal environment as well? Absolutely. And there is science that that proves, I don't have the science with me right now, but there is literally science that proves when your house is in chaos that you feel anxious or you feel overwhelmed. And just painting a picture for you, think about how if you put your children down for a nap and then you have a giant mess to clean up, it's really hard. At least it is for me. It's very hard for me to actually enjoy my break or Mm -hmm. be productive in that time because I have this weight that it's kind of like the big elephant in the room and it's clutter and you have to address it at some point. So yes, it, it does lead clutter does lead to just feeling that chaos internally. And I really love, there's this study that was done. It's called life at home in the 21st century. And it was a study done. in I think the early two thousands where they looked at, I believe it was, I want to say 20 homes in California and they talked about this very thing. So I highly recommend that book and that study, because Mm -hmm. if you need further proof that will go deeper into the connection between having too much stuff and the overwhelm. So I highly recommend that. I also do have an, an interview not to not to plug my podcast, but there was an interview called The Science of Minimalism that was really beneficial, I think, for people to just hear that scientific element. Because I think sometimes for people, it they do want to hear, hey, what 
what is the science behind this? Because I'm not going to fully yeah. jump on board unless there's an actual reason. I don't know. Some people are like that, but I can relate to that. I love it when there's a, like a bit of evidence to back up a claim. So I think that's important. I'm going to add that to the show notes. Absolutely. And I would just say for me, because of those moments, I don't I don't want to feel overwhelmed when I sit down every day, whether it's at nap time or it's after I put my kids to bed. We just have a tidying like 15 minutes at nap time and at the end of the day where I've I've tried to keep up with it throughout the day, but those 15 minutes I just tidy in that way. I don't have to worry about the weight Mm -hmm. while I'm trying to be productive. So I think even just putting little boundaries on your time and um, just making sure you stay on top of it, it really does contribute to that healthy internal mindset. Yeah, I totally agree. And I've noticed the same thing in my family for sure. Like I know that when I put my kids, they're unfortunately past napping age, so I can't relate any more to the napping question. I used to be able to, but now for me, it's when I put my kids to bed at night, like I want my house already tidied. And so in that answer, you talked a lot about just a a few little things that we can do. Like, you know, we can do the dishes or just do these quick 15 minute cleanups. Mm -hmm. And by doing that, we're really helping not only the chaos externally, like in our home, but also internally. So are there any other minimalism principles that you know of that we can start to implement um, now? Yeah, I would say first and foremost, I would get your mind right that you do want to make a change because I Mm -hmm. think that if your mind isn't in the right place, then maybe you have like a little momentum and then it kind of fizzles. So I think Mm -hmm. it's important to maybe even write out, I'm all about writing things down and just seeing them on paper kind of helps reiterate that idea in my head. So I would say get your mind right. And then I always talk about small wins, um, getting those small wins under your belt in regards to decluttering. So start in the bathroom first. There's typically not a lot of things in there that you have a sentimental attachment to. And when I say pull things out, I literally mean clear your countertops. Usually in the bathroom, there is very little counter space. And Mm -hmm. I think that to going back to actually our previous question, if you start and end your day in the bathroom, you do not want that area to feel overwhelming and Mm -hmm. that you have a a good point. Yeah. And so I think that pull everything out, even if you just do it for 30 days and then add back in what you feel like you need quote unquote, but I bet it's a lot less than you originally intend. And I'm talking even about things on your walls that are unnecessary. Go through, pull out things that are expired. That's an easy, an easy small win. Um, So I would say start with the things that are not baby clothes and not pictures, Mm -hmm. not, not even clothes that, that can be hard. So start with those small victories first. And then um, we mentioned how you can apply minimalist principles to your schedule. And I think that again, letting your yes mean yes and your no mean no, really allow yourself to, I think, digest whether or not you want to do something before you say yes to it. That was a big thing for me, honestly, mm. since I've had my third son, um, or my he's not my third son, he's my third child. Um, mm. Since having Benjamin, I was pulled in too many different directions. And it was like, you have to really start saying yes to what you want to say yes to and not feeling bad to say no. Cause again, we talked about personal boundaries at the beginning and I think it's really, mm-hmm. it, it's, if someone has a problem with you saying no, that's more on them than on you. So yeah. Yeah. I feel like we're really not built to do all the things all the time. Yeah. So learning to say no is super crucial. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. This is totally random, but I was just thinking about this. Like I've talked to my husband before, like his grandma, like we'd sit down and talk to her and my grandma, like they're, 
she passed his grandma passed away at 92 and my grandma is in her 90s and when you sit down and talk to them they have so many memories and I feel like their memory in their 90s is better than mine is now and I just feel like they lived so much more of a simple lifestyle and they didn't consume like you were talking about consuming media and things earlier Mm -hmm. and consuming other people's lives through social media um, and constantly listening to things I don't know i I just think maybe there's something to that. And so I think this minimalist thing, you know, we're onto something here. <laughs> yeah. No, Rita, you, oh, sorry. Go ahead, Diane. No. And I think we'll hit this probably. I'm assuming that in the questions that um, some of your followers have asked, it's in regards to digital minimalism. And I think really you said it, Cecily, like humans are not wired to wired to be constantly wired. We were never yeah. meant to be connected to this many people. I personally believe that from a, like, yeah. a, a religious standpoint, but also just think of how many people you can compare yourself to these days or even looking at someone mm-hmm. else's house. Like, oh, I guess I'm not doing minimalism that well, so I'm just right. done or I'm just a bad, like, that's so mm-hmm. silly. Just keep keep going, keep chugging ahead. And I think that yeah. there is something to be said about a slower paced lifestyle and to put more boundaries in in, yes. place in those areas. Yeah. 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 No, my grandma just moved in. Like I live on a farm. My parents live right next door and my grandma just moved into a little suite at their house. And cool. so we were going through all her stuff and like seeing all the stuff that she made. And, you know, I said to my mom, I'm like, how did these people have time to do all these things, like to make all of these things and to, you know, raise six children and, you know, this huge garden. And she's like, well, they didn't have phones. Mm. I'm like, bingo. Mm. Like it, it really does take up a lot of time. And yes, we're blessed to be connected and having a lot of information coming in, but at what cost? So it's definitely worth considering. Yeah. 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 So speaking of implementing minimalism, so you wrote a book in 2020, which I think is a big deal. You had three kids at home with you and somehow managed to get a book done, which is just, it's crazy to me, but also a nod to your minimalist lifestyle. I feel like, because I don't know if you were doing all the things and had a super like overwhelming home, if you'd be able to do that. So I don't know if you want to tell us a little bit about your book. So a couple of things I would say one that is true. I think minimalism doesn't, does apply here, but I think the biggest factor in my ability to do that. So I started writing it at the beginning of June and it was due September 1st. So I wrote it in about three months. But my husband is a high school teacher, and so he was home. I mean, he was home for COVID from the beginning of it. But, yeah, he was home, and he was able to take the kids for pretty much the entire morning, from, like, 8 to noon, um, several times a week. So I feel like that was a huge factor Mm -hmm. in us, um, in my ability to write uh, uninterrupted. Um, Also, again, you prioritize what's important to you. And so at night, instead Mm -hmm. of watching shows, I – I'll say something kind of controversial or not controversial, but just like surprising. I don't watch movies. I don't watch television. Um, we have a TV. It has channels four, six and eight. We don't turn it on except for the kids to watch their shows. Um, mm-hmm. So that is a huge part of my life that I don't have. So where I'm able to, again, get things done that I want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, if I'm going to consume something that's fluffy, it's usually a podcast that I enjoy listening to. Um, but all that to say, my second thing was a lot of the content, it kind of just flowed because I had been writing content, I guess, for the podcast for the past several years. Right. So I had an idea of the direction I wanted to go in, but 
Um, I will toot my own horn and I think it's a well-written book, but I also had a lot of help. So with my husband. Yeah, I think that's awesome that you brought that up that, you know, the biggest contributing factor was the fact that your husband was there to be a support and a help because like we were talking earlier a bit about how we can compare ourselves and what this person's getting done and what that person's getting done and what they look like. And I just think like for myself too, like my husband is so incredibly supportive and works so hard and is so willing to just like be even more amazing at home than he is at work. And not everybody has that, you know? And Mm -hmm. so I think it's really important when you do have that to make it clear that the reason that your life looks the way it does sometimes is because of the fact that you are supported. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that we should like pay that support forward to like that support that I have and that you have, then we can pour that into other people's lives as well. So I just think it's a really cool thing to acknowledge. All right. So the other day, knowing we were going to have you on, I put up a question box on Instagram to allow people who are going to listen to ask some questions they have because you are the expert on minimalism, not us. And we figured we should find out what people want to know. So we're just going to run through some questions here and let you give us some quick answers to uh, what the listeners want to hear and want to know about. So First one, something I should definitely get rid of, but probably don't want to. Oh, that's, ooh. <laughs> gosh, there's so many things I feel like. Okay. It's probably so, different for everyone. Yeah, it probably is going to be different. I think anything that's, well, one that's kind of tricky, but probably is important is clothing that doesn't fit you anymore. And I think that we need to get rid of the idea of like, I want to be this small or I need to even gain weight. I think whatever size that you are now, cultivate a closet that fits you because how much easier is it to get ready when that old dress isn't taunting you from what size you used to be pre-baby? I, I just, yeah. I don't want that anymore in my life. So For me, I would say clothes that don't fit are important to get rid of. But also people have textbooks from college that they don't want to part ways with. But I feel like especially with those, like information is regularly updated. And I think that there's so Mm -hmm. much internet, like there's so much information on the internet that that's something that I feel like was really hard for my husband and I. He, I would say is kind of an academic, he would call himself. And so I think that was really hard for him to part ways with. But when you get, again, realistically, rationally, it didn't make sense to keep those things. So. Yeah, good answers. I held on to my textbooks for a while too. And once I finally got rid of them, I was glad. Okay, next question. What's something that moms think has to get done that can actually wait? Ooh, gosh. Okay, give me a second. Something that moms think they have to get done that could actually wait. I was going to say the dishes, but I actually really need to get those done. It stresses me out to keep them in there. <laughs> Honestly, though, I mean, things like that can probably wait until you're 15 minutes at the end of the day or at at nap time. Um, I also though do kind of in contradiction to that, I love the one minute rule. So anything that you can get done in one minute, um, you do it. So that means hanging your coat up on the coat rack, hanging your coat up like in the closet, um, rinsing off your dish really fast. Um, What else? If you have something from one room that needs to go to the other, anything that you can get done in one minute, just do it because then those things do add up to more time at the end of the day when you're tired. So that's kind of the opposite of what the person asked, but I feel like that's really worth mentioning. That's great. Yeah. 
That's good. I've never heard of the one minute rule, but mm-hmm. I'm going to start using that. Sometimes <laughs> I set a timer for like 15 minutes and my kids are older, so they can help more. Sometimes they don't want to, but they can. And I'll just be like, <laughs> okay, anything that you see that needs done, 15 minutes, like go. Do it. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. it's surprising how much you can get done in 15 minutes. So absolutely. All right. Next question, how to reduce clutter and then how to keep it organized. So I think, especially as moms, we are going to have to constantly address clutter because I have four other people in this household outside of myself. And so they're going to bring things in. And so I think to don't trick yourself into thinking that you're going to declutter once and then that was it. So I think constantly picking up whatever it might be. But I think the things that are easy wins are are mail. Uh, I would deal with the mail. The mail that's a one minute task typically um, that seems to get cluttered really fast. And then anything really that doesn't belong in the space. So I am a believer in like everything has a home, everything has a place. So um, things that like mugs in your in your living room, just things like that that you can just escort back to their original home that are, I think are easy to part like gather and declutter. All right. So next, I'm an artist and I really struggle with having too many supplies. Any suggestions? I think that works for anyone that has like a lot of supplies for whatever it is they do. Yeah. Um, My answer is probably not the typical minimalist answer. I think that's totally fine. I think that I was thinking the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. I think that we have a lot of craft supplies and I want my kids to use their creativity and I want to have that stuff on hand so that we can use it. I think that's a lot different than saying I have, I don't know. I honestly, like I'm not necessarily opposed to collections. If you really are into comic books, then I'm thinking of this guy from my small, my small group at church. He has tons of comic books. Honestly, he has probably way too many, but (laughs) if that's something that you really enjoy and you're regularly going through, then I don't see the problem with that. I would say if it's sitting unused, then maybe that's when you start going through it. But I think to like condemn yourself for your hobby. No, I think it's okay to have collections of things. Awesome. Okay. Um, I'm going to combine two questions together. Um, one is how do you make time for cleaning and family time? And then I'm going to piggyback it with this other one. Does time blocking really work? Okay. So to make time for, you said cleaning and family time is what you said. Mm -hmm. So to make time for cleaning, like I said, I'm not a big deep cleaner. So I feel like my husband and I will Mm -hmm. honestly divide some of those tasks. Um, to where we both know what our territories are in the home to keep clean. Mm. Um, but I wouldn't say that I have a regular, like this is what I do on Monday, this is Tuesday, this is Wednesday. Something that really helps is I do do a load of laundry, if not two every day. And I just do that mm. first thing in the morning. I actually keep all my son's clothes in the basement. So Benjamin, he has these three like baskets, pants, shirts, PJs, and I will run down and it makes, it's kind of like a habit stack to where I've stacked running down to get his clothes every morning with throwing a load in. Um, Cause usually mm-hmm. there's laundry that I just like throw to the bottom of the steps. It's not super organized, but Hey, it really works for us. So I think things yeah. like that to where you can habit stack um, outsource to your children or your husband makes, um, makes it really helpful. And I think did that, that answer the question. I can't remember if there was. Yeah. Lot. Okay. Yeah. And I mean, t- the time blocking thing, like oh, using a blocking. chunk of time. Yeah. Yeah. I actually don't know what that is. <laughs> okay. Blocking. So I think that's 
from what I know, and again, no expert, it's like when you say, I'm going to use this chunk of time to get my like actual work, work done, like the stuff you get paid for. And then I'm going to use another chunk of time to get my housework done. Another chunk of time to like homeschool. If you homeschool, um, can you see that being an effective thing? I guess it probably depends on a person's personality. No. Yeah. So I thought, okay. I thought that's probably what that was, but I Mm -hmm. think I call it something else and I can't think of the word. There's another word I feel like I used for that, but I Hmm. keep thinking about like the Tabata workouts. It's similar to like a word like that, but Tabata is like 20 seconds on 10 seconds off, 20 seconds on 10. And I think it's really important too, if you are going to time block or do a Tabata type day, (laughs) applying that mentality Mm -hmm. to your day, I do think it's important to have that little bit of a break to, um, kind of look forward to. And then that way, again, you don't get burnt out. So I, th- I definitely see the benefit to it. And I would say that's just kind of like what we've organically done with those two tidyings throughout our day. So I wouldn't say that we like time block it, but mm-hmm. I, I can see the benefit to that. Cool. Oh, oh, sorry. There's one more question on this page, isn't there? Yeah. So how do you get your husband to agree to let go of things he hasn't used in years? So this one is tough. Uh, one from personal experience, just because my husband actually is probably more of a minimalist than I am. So I can't really speak to Mm. my experience, but what I would say and suggest would be live by example. And if you are expecting your husband to declutter things that you have not, like you are still holding on to some things so tightly. Um, I would say like, look at yourself first and maybe work through that before you expect someone else to. But also as I'm talking to you guys, I'm down in my husband's little workshop and he has this giant fish head. I don't know if I'm going to, I'm going to turn the screen around. Can you guys see that? Yo, my Lanta. (laughs) So that is something that I would really (laughs) never want in my home, but (laughs) his spot, this is his workshop, Mm -hmm. this is his space. So it might be a little bit more disorganized now that I'm looking at all these papers on the table, but that is his space and he can do with what with it what he wants to. So I would say in regards right. to your spouse, allow each other spaces to where you can craft the environment that you want. But yeah, I think anytime I've ever, if we have had a dispute about something, it's never worked with me going hard and at it. Yeah. it it's always been like compromise and okay, what are you willing to get up or can we put this somewhere else? Thinking outside the box like that. That's, that's great. Yes. Okay. The next two questions um, involve social media. And I feel like we really touched on that a lot. So I don't think we need to get into it too much. I think we've established social media absolutely does take up too much of our time if we allow it. So it's just being intentional, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I think we can skip past that because we talked a lot about it. Um, I do have yeah. a book recommendation there. Oh, great. Um, Cal yeah. Newport wrote a book called Digital Oh, Medicine. I've read it. Really Super great. Good. Yeah. And then there's another one by Catherine Price. She wrote How to Break Up with Your Phone. And okay. both of those books are really intense, really overwhelming. I felt like I could, I felt really inspired and yet <laughs> that I would never be able to get to that point. Um, there's, there's a book that is a Christian book and it's called The TechWise Family by Andy Crouch. Mm-hmm. And that was another one from more of a Christian perspective that I really appreciated that insight as well. So I think it's been really helpful for me. Sorry, we were like, oh, we're not going to touch on it. And now I'm like, no, this is great. But I have in the past, I don't do this regularly anymore. And I really should. But I have taken a daily Sabbath of my phone, except for if I want to use it to read, but no social media. And you really do 
it was hard the first time I did it. And then it got increasingly easier. So even if you take one day off a week, um, there's a book called Sabbath by Wayne Mueller. That's really great. It talks about the importance of rhythms and, um, that is called Sabbath. It's not necessarily just a Christian book. I think he talks a lot about Buddhism and that as well. But yeah, those are all some really great resources, I think, to that really address this a lot better than I will. So I would direct That's there. Awesome. I'll put those in the show notes for people too. I've actually read Digital Minimalism and The TechWise Family. They are great. And I have a friend who read How to Break Up With Your Phone and she loved it. So those are great. I'll make sure they're in the show notes. Um, all right, let's see. My phone turned off here. Rita, okay. do you have questions? Yeah, so um, I'm just going to read. This is more of a statement, but so you can give, if you know the episode, you can give it. Somebody said that they um, don't have a question, but they've been following Josh Becker, um, the minimalist, for a long time. And I was like, oh, I think you've had him on your podcast, haven't you? So I, I didn't yeah, he the was, episode you could direct them to. Yeah, he was on, gosh, I want to say maybe episode 70 or 71. And he was talking about his book, The Minimalist Home. So uh, I love Joshua Becker. I really appreciate his insight as well, not only from just a faith perspective, which he doesn't always speak to, but he's a dad. And so I really like what he has to say. Yeah. Awesome. All right. So next question, and maybe we kind of cover this. You can tell us if you have anything else to add. What do mm -hmm. I do with sentimental style hoarding? Like I have a gift from so-and-so and I can't get rid of it. So I think there's several different approaches you could take. Um, one with my with Charlotte's, um, my daughter's artwork, I am super sentimental about the things that she has crafted because it's gotten increasingly better, obviously, as most kids do. And so it's so fun to like have a visual representation of what she has accomplished, I guess, in these past few years and her creativity. All that to say, I don't have storage for all of that. So what I've done is I will take a picture of it and then I have these little scrapbooks that I make every year and I just throw it in there. So if she wants to go back and look at it, I think that with some of the bigger items that you feel sentimental, sentimental about with your kids, whether it's artwork or anything that they've created or this is meaningful to them, again, put a boundary around it. Maybe give, um, I have one box for each of my kids and the things go into that box that I don't want to part ways with, uh, but I also don't have a lot of storage space to give them. So I think that's one thing. And then again, I think getting rational with yourself and understanding that the sentimentality isn't the item itself. It's what the item represents. That's a memory that you're not going to necessarily have taken from you, even if you part ways with the item. So I think mm -hmm. that we hold tight to things because, and again, I haven't lost a parent. So I feel like this is going to be, to be extremely hard when I have to go through my parents' things at some point. Um, so I, I don't really want to speak to that because I don't understand how difficult that might be. But I think that my process would be keep the things that are most special, use them. If, if you have grandmother's China or your mom's um, coats or just some fun clothes, like use them, wear them, use it up, um, display them and don't just keep them in boxes. Don't keep sentimental items just mm -hmm. to keep in boxes. It's the same thing that goes for your wedding dress. So many people don't want to get rid of their wedding, wedding dress, but is your daughter really going to ever want to wear it? Um, or yeah, it just, that's one big thing. Styles change and you're never going to wear it again. So why not? There's donation centers to women that, um, women and girls that need, dresses that don't have the money for them. And I think there also is a really cool donation center to where you can donate your dress and they use it for gowns for um, babies that have 
past. So I, I really like that idea too. Mm-hmm. So I think there's always, if you're always wondering, there's always something that I feel like Google can answer and there's something really cool that where you can donate stuff in a positive yeah. way. So it like has a second life, if you will. Yeah. All right. So this one is from someone newly living on one income. Um, it says newly living on one income to be able to stay home and raise my newborn advice. So I think asking for advice on how to raise their newborn on one income. So I, I think that this goes back to priorities and maybe write down a list of everything that you're spending money on and then deem together with your spouse what is important to you. And I think that you can also, um, if you want to save money on clothing, always uh, there's Facebook buy nothing groups to where you could um, – Basically, they're groups that you can just say, hey, I'm in search of this. And then people will say, hey, I have this to fulfill your request. Or I know for my second child, everything that he owned was supplied from a friend from church. She was like, I have all these baby boy clothes. And she's like, I know you don't like to spend money on that kind of stuff. So I was able to get everything. And I gave back the majority of it to her. Um, So I feel like borrowing, um, just again, really thinking outside the box when it comes to how you're spending money, if you can borrow, if you actually need something. I, I don't know. I hope those are a few helpful tips, but mm-hmm. yeah, I think it can be done. It can be done. Okay. So another yeah. thing someone brought up was paperwork solutions. Um, you, you had talked about the mail earlier, which I really liked, but actually when you first brought it up, for some reason I was thinking of mail like the male species, like M-A-L-E. And I'm like, deal with the male first. Like, what is she talking about? And then I felt like a real idiot because I realized you're talking about male, M-A-I-L, male. So that's one paperwork solution. Do you have anything else? Yeah, I think digitalizing a lot of this stuff is important. And then Mm -hmm. I also toss every, um, what are they called? Like manuals or pamphlets telling you how to do something. All that information is typically available online. So even if it's my digital camera, I am, I know that I can mm-hmm. seek out that information online. I don't need to keep the box and the paperwork okay. that comes with it. Um, and then I was mm-hmm. going to say one last thing, and I can't think of what it was. I guess that's it. That, that's all I have for that. <laughs> I don't remember yeah. what I was going to okay. say. No, that's really great. I used to collect those stupid manuals all the time. <laughs> now I don't. Um, okay, how to decide what kids stuff to purge? You know, if you're going to have more kids in the future. Yeah, so... I would say the easiest thing to do to start is to see what ha- what's broken, what's not functioning anymore. And if it's broken and you, it can't be fixed, because um, I think it's important to always fix things if you can. But if it can't be fixed, just mm-hmm. you need to get rid of it. Um, secondly, they can live again with so – I keep saying again. They can live with so much more than – without so much more than you think that they can. So maybe choose your favorite items if you plan on having more children and keeping those things. And I don't know about a lot of the Mm -hmm. listeners, but for us, we have family that, a few family members in particular that love to give gifts to us. So for me, I guess I'd never feel like I wouldn't have someone that would graciously give to us. Um, I think that's probably a lot. People love to give things to new babies. Um, But if Mm -hmm. that's if that's not the case for your family, I would say, again, borrowing is really helpful when it comes to toys. I love doing um, like trading toys with my cousin. We'll just like trade toys for a few weeks and then trade back. And so that way you're getting new things. But yeah, I think that you can live with a lot fewer toys than you think. So very true. Yeah. (laughs) 
<laughs> yes. Um, okay, so last one from our listeners. How to get past fear of missing out and what ifs for throwing things out? Um, I would say that there's nothing I've ever gotten rid of that I've ever missed out on. And I don't think that's just a personality thing. I think that you know if something has overstayed its welcome in your home. And most mm -hmm. things, again, you can replace for $20 or less if you really feel the pull to own that item again. Um, and it, if you need to store something for six months in a box in your basement, and if you don't come back to it, then you probably don't use it. Mm -hmm. And I, again, I think a lot of us try and just justify why we're holding on to things and really we don't need to. It's just that's a defense mechanism likely to protect us from the pain that we feel like we're going to feel when we're getting rid of things. But really, when we're rational, realistic, logical, <laughs> I like to use these words because it, it, mm -hmm. it is that thing. You have to really get focused on it. You're mm -hmm. not going to have FOMO. I have more FOMO when I see that I can't participate in an activity that I want to build mm -hmm. a memory of. So I've never, point. Yeah, I've never had a, a moment where I'm like, Oh, dang it. I wish I still had that fill in the blank. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That is yeah. awesome. Think, Sorry, go ahead, Rita. No, I think that that was really a good point just to pull out even more that that's a defense mechanism to keep us from the pain, mm -hmm. like thinking that mm -hmm. we might need that. I hadn't ever thought of it that way before. That's so good. And, uh, I'm having a garage sale at my mother-in-law's this weekend, and I, I've already hauled so much stuff in here. But now, after this podcast, this could not have been more perfect timing. Yes. I'm ready to like just take everything yeah. in there. Purge. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Diane, this has been so great. Um, we're super grateful that you were, first of all, our first guest ever. That's kind Yay. of amazing. Yeah, so <laughs> really exciting for us. I feel like you had great information um, that people are going to find really valuable. So can you let the people listening, if they don't already follow you, let them know where they can find you? Yes. So I'm on Instagram at Minimalist Moms Podcast. The webpage is minimalistmomspodcast.com. And I always say this in the outro of my podcast, but there you can find links to the Instagram, Facebook page, and where you can find me all around the web. So there that you go. is so awesome. So I highly recommend you guys go and follow her. She is so wonderful and we're blessed by her. So thanks, Diane, for coming to the Boom Clap podcast. And if you want to find Rita and I, you can always find us at thegracetogrow.com or me on Instagram at cecily.dickey. And me at ritarogersco.com or ritarogersco on Instagram. Thanks, guys. 